0: Welcome to the PCOS Girls Podcast. I'm Bridget Warne, founder of PCOS to Wellness and creator of Sisterhood and Mamahood Teas.
1: And I'm Melissa Christie, founder of PCOS Pathways and creator of the PCOS Journal.
0: And guys, we are not doctors. We are just two women with PCOS who love reading about it, talking about it, writing about it,
1: basically just oversharing about it. (laughs) So we recommend you find a health practitioner you love to support you on your journey. In the meantime, this podcast is all about how we have gone from hormonal messes to motherhood, the simple changes we've made to improve our PCOS, and the ups and the downs of living with this complex condition. Let's get into it. Hi, welcome back to the PCOS (laughs) Girls Season 3.
0: What? I don't know why I'm talking or laughing.
1: <laughs> I think we're both a little bit like nervous energy or something because it's been so long.
0: I know this is actually so like sad but funny. I went to get my microphone and headphones out this morning and it had literal dust on it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like I literally had to wipe the dust off it and I was like oh this oh, is that says okay. a lot that says so I know. much <laughs> I know. Crazy. Um, well
1: for everybody listening I'm Mel and I'm here with Bridge um I, I'm Melissa Christie just in case you're tuning in for the first time ever mm. and this is Bridget Warren mm-hmm. <laughs> um and yeah we've had a really big like a good six-month break, I think, but that has been necessary because you've been off, you know, creating new life, bringing (laughs) new life into the world. Um, And so today we're going to have a big catch-up, let you guys know what we've been up to, uh, what we've been doing, how we're feeling, a bit of health catch-up, definitely some postpartum catch-up, and we've got a couple of um, listener questions we're going to answer as well. So, yeah, Bridge. Yay! What's been Bring going on, on with <laughs> you? How is
0: life with a family of four? Oh my gosh. It is wild. Like, it's wild to think I have two children for one. <laughs> but then also on the flip side, I don't remember life without it and it mm-hmm. seems so normal. I don't know. You probably <laughs> felt the exact same way. Like it's just like I it, this was meant to be. You know, this was my family.
1: Yeah, I feel like it suddenly becomes hard to even remember what life was like with only one kid, which is really bizarre and I feel like everybody says that. I don't yeah. know, it must be some chemical, biological thing that it happens. Has to it
0: has to be. has <laughs> Because it just... do you remember when I was saying like, oh, I'll never love this child as much as yes. I love Flynn? <laughs> like how can I have another child? Like blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, yeah, right, okay. It's totally fun. <laughs> yeah, I,
1: sometimes I say to Maddie, like probably quite frequently, honestly i'm just like i i can't imagine life without him like what would our life be if elma yeah. wasn't here like it's just it's i can't it's unimaginable even um, it's crazy. they really sort of change things but it, yeah like you say like it just feels like the way it was meant to be kind of thing
0: no. so
1: you so are what she's like what five months
0: five months yeah actually ah! oh my god do you know what Flynn <laughs> was
1: five months old when we first recorded our first ever episode <gasps> I remember that because I remember thinking like whoa
0: you oh are amazing <laughs> yeah that is wild was yeah. it five months was he, was he? Five that's months. crazy yeah he's very little <laughs> okay well that must be like the month where I start to feel like I'm getting my life back yeah <laughs> <laughs> and can like do a little bit more although we have just had about an hour of me running in and out running in and out trying to like coordinate all the children Jesse jesse so, literally just walked into the room i'm not even joking oh my <laughs> gosh fine. Okay. He's grabbing a blanket and he's leaving oh, okay. and he's taking the children <laughs> <laughs> yeah everybody listening
1: we this is a sunday morning for us like this is how dedicated to you guys we oh. are it's sunday morning and we both <laughs> do not work on the weekends like it's i've actually i learned that from you i remember you saying to me i don't work on on weekends like I need that for my mental health for my family I don't work on weekends and you inspired mm. me to do the same Aww, uh, because before so that
0: nice.
1: yeah every day was just kind of like you know if I got the time to work I yeah. would
0: yeah and I so... think that's as a business owner like we could mm-hmm. work as we could work 24 hours a day if we wanted to yes, and I think like right. I made that mistake I've done that before I burnt mm-hmm. myself out and then mm-hmm. yeah I think having Flynn was the real kick up the bum I needed to be like you know what I'm gonna set boundaries and weekends I don't work except for when I'm doing the podcast I know. with you <laughs> <laughs> It's not really work, let's be honest.
1: Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a catch-up. Like it's so weird, you know, for a really long time we didn't talk on the phone because we weren't doing the podcast and it was like, oh, my God, yeah. like I don't know what's yeah. going on in your life.
0: I know. <laughs> it's like, oh, hello. Thank you for me. me. Um, okay, yeah, I know. So, it, is, it is wild.
1: So you're five months postpartum. So how you, how postpartum. are you feeling? Like I guess like health-wise or those postpartum symptoms-wise? Mm.
0: I mean, I feel great. Like, I really feel physically great in Mm -hmm. terms of, like, my body. Like, my body has completely, I don't know, like, I don't know what the word you even use, really, but I just feel like my body is fit and fighting and healthy to, Mm -hmm. like, the best possible way it could be at this point in my life after having a baby and, like, obviously being postpartum and breastfeeding and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I do feel like tired, Mm -hmm. Um, I definitely – the fatigue is starting to set in a little bit and I found the same when I had Flynn was like the first – Probably five, six months I ran on adrenaline and like I was waking up through, I don't know if you can hear Indy snoring, but if that's (laughs) what you heard, that was her. (laughs) And that's my dog, by the way, Indy. (laughs) But but, yeah, so I like, I'm still waking up three or four times a night with Willa and to be honest, they're really easy for me. I don't find it too hard, Mm -hmm. but at this point in the postpartum journey, I do find that I start to get quite tired and all of a sudden it sort of starts to hit me a little bit more Mm. than what it does early on. I actually found, and I don't know if I'm even allowed to say this, but (laughs) I found the newborn days really easy. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you have hard days. Obviously, there are things, you know, that are challenging, but... Um I don't know if it's just because it's the second time around you just feel a lot more confident in yourself you know things pass really quickly like I just feel felt a lot more reassured knowing that you know mm. this is such a short phase in their life and it made me almost sad I always wanted mm. to hold on to those moments a lot more yeah. but I really found like the newborn phase really easy. I think cause I recovered so well after birth as well. Like mm-hmm. I sort of felt really good in my body. You know, they sleep a lot more when they're newborn.
1: <laughs> I know. Look, I couldn't agree with you more. I've always felt the exact same way. Like I was always that person being like, well, it doesn't feel hard yet. Like, mm. um, and I it was like, yeah, can I say that? Like, I know I'm pissing off some people when I say it, but I get it because, and I think what it is, is there's like simplicity to it like they want to sleep they want to have milk they want to have cuddles and that's largely it and like once they get older is when you have to start thinking about like teaching them things or feeding them food totally like when they're a little newborn like you don't even need to bathe them every day like it's that's really quite
0: like it's really easy. Well, yeah. it's not really easy. That's not <laughs> That's true. Simple. But it's but maybe it's simple. simple. That's is exactly the word. right. Yeah. They, they, there's they have very few needs, and those needs are. But I mean, the hard part is they're essentially on. Well, for me, mm-hmm. on me because I'm breastfeeding, yes. and. I don't know about other babies, but, like, my two babies have always really found comfort in me, you know, settling them as Mm -hmm. opposed to Jesse as much. So a lot of that pressure was on me. I was also really lucky in that Jesse had three months paternity leave. So he was Mm. home with me for those first three months. My family now live around the corner. When we had Flynn, that wasn't the case, and he also only had uh, six weeks paternity leave. So it was very different to what this Mm. situation's been. I had no help in Sydney, whereas here I have my whole family. Mm -hmm. He's been around. I've got a lot – Better grasp on, um, I guess, caring for newborns as opposed Mm. to when it's your first. Everything is new. You're learning. Like you're learning as much as the baby's learning to be in this new environment. So, Mm. yeah. And the other thing that has been an absolute game changer for me is my breastfeeding journey because. I don't know who has followed the whole way through, but with Flynn, my breastfeeding journey was really tricky because he needed – well, we needed to use nipple shields because he just couldn't latch very well. Um, and I was told that would only be for, a few, you know, a few days and then a few weeks and then, like, literally three months in, we were still using them. And it essentially mm-hmm. just made his feeds go for hours. So I would literally be breastfeeding for hours and hours. on, And it was just really, 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 really hard, whereas with Willa, her feeds mm-hmm. are – I'm not joking – like maximum six, seven minutes. So it is just like (laughs) I just have this newfound freedom as well because with Flynn Mm -hmm. I had this underlying anxiety all the time like, oh, if I go out somewhere now, I'm going to be stuck there for an hour and a half. Like if Mm -hmm. if he wants to feed whilst I'm driving, I'm going to be stuck on the side of the road for an hour and a half. Like it was just this anxiety all the time about like this – the feeding. Um, whereas with Wheeler, I'm like, cool, if she needs to feed, I just pull her off and feed. If I need to feed her in the middle of a cafe, I just feed her. It. Like it's, it's two seconds. It doesn't matter. It doesn't make a difference. So yeah. it's given me a lot more confidence in myself as well and a lot more flexibility. And so that's really helped too.
1: That sounds amazing. It sounds like you're just going really, really well, which is so, so nice to hear. And you're birth so i i listened to your birth story on the Australian birth stories podcast <laughs> it's a really beautiful episode if anyone hasn't listened and they're interested definitely check it out but honestly it made me cry it was so oh. beautiful i'm wondering cuz i don't remember if you mentioned it in there mm but I can't remember now I'd really love to know like how it began like when you first got your first contraction like where were you
0: oh yeah like <laughs> do you know what I mean and like yeah, yeah, what yeah, did sure. you
1: think like were you so ready like how did you feel about it
0: was I so ready no, yeah. I was, like, oh, weeks that's and, like right. I was about to <laughs> Yes, I was bloody ready. Um, oh, I forgot I, you were
1: overdue. Oh, ah. Well, we don't say overdue. No, we, we don't say overdue. She came exactly when she was exactly meant when she, to. Yeah, yes. exactly right. Um,
0: I really, I really got after <laughs> having a baby that went past their due date, which I now really believe due dates are so stupid anyway. Yes. but um, they are. They should be a like you know what should it be like a rough estimation date that's what they should have yes. like isn't it just so silly isn't
1: it so funny how you go through something and then like you can really see it so clearly like oh, i've gosh. never really thought about the word overdue yeah. but yeah. i can see you have
0: <laughs> i and <laughs> because you know you've been
1: so affected by it
0: i have and yeah. um and i never would have thought it was a, like an offensive thing to say to someone yeah. but it is when you are living it and someone tells me oh your baby's overdue like it is Big blow so just mm. a little heads up if you've got any friends out there who are you know past their due date um mm-hmm. please don't tell them they're overdue it's it's really really it's like such a mental game at that point and yeah. like the last thing you want someone telling you is they're overdue and you're not overdue your baby's going to come when it's going to come and the reality is we never we don't unless you underwent fertility treatments and all that kind of thing you know exactly when mm-hmm. your baby was conceived mm-hmm. then we really don't know like exact dates of when this baby should or shouldn't be arriving. So just keep that in mind. Plus
1: everyone's different. Like there's got to be some wiggle room about when, like a baby, you know.
0: Absolutely. But I totally feel
1: you. And I'm really glad that you brought that up because I've never thought about it before. I feel like I just learned something new that's like really important to a lot of people and Mm. I totally get you and I will just add another thing for people listening to never (laughs) say uh, in my opinion is an elective cesarean oh my god everybody at every turn when I was pregnant with Alma was like oh so you're having an elective cesarean you've elected to do this and it's like actually like I don't have a choice
0: yeah but because (laughs) it's not an
1: emergency cesarean they're being called an elective cesarean anyway Mm.
0: Also, no, that. highly, highly that
1: offensive. I really,
0: yeah. <laughs> well, and it's it is so true. Like until you've been through it, which I can really see the validity in that. I mm. really, really can, and I have actually been a lot more conscious of talking about C sections since having my relationship with you, actually, because I've seen your side of it on a much mm. more personal level. I think, mm. and um, yeah, and like I'm very conscious now when someone tells. I've got actually three friends at the moment who are uh, have. Well, elective caesareans coming up, but what mm-hmm. do you say then? Like, what...
1: uh, I always liked planned, planned
0: caesareans. Oh, that is it's so better. much nicer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like we're
1: planning it, but like mm. we didn't elect it.
0: <laughs> so bloody true. <laughs> because anyway. I think
1: when people say elective caesarean, like it comes with a, a bit of a presumption that like I'm choosing to do it over a vaginal birth. Hundred and so why? Like, there's, there's like some maybe some judgment in there. Yeah, but. Yeah, sometimes you just have to plan a cesarean because of like, because you of know, so health many concerns underlying and factors. things. So, yep. yeah.
0: Which is so irrelevant, <laughs> even to the point, like, you don't even know why that person's having a plan. Yeah. <laughs> no, oh no, my gosh, right. we could ramble for so long. But um, anyway, yes. So, yes, comes so, to the day, you're so <laughs> ready. <laughs> okay, I have been ready because for, for Flynn came at 38 weeks, right? So yes everyone and his birth was speedy like he kept flying out so my midwife and for those who don't know i had a planned home birth so my midwife was really really concerned she wasn't going to make it to our house on time so she said the moment you have any niggles you need to tell me so she was essentially like on standby from like 37 weeks because we were like dead set sure this baby was coming soon and he was he or she was coming quick we didn't know if it was a boy or girl and um Anyway, so 38 weeks came and went, and in my mind, though, I was like – I'm having a baby at 38 weeks. Like I just like just assumed that that was happening, So, which is the worst thing you can possibly do. Mm. Don't ever get in your head a time this ba- your baby is coming because like it's just 100% not going to be at that time. <laughs> so, so anyway, so by like 39 weeks, I in my head was starting to think I was overdue, which is so dumb because mm. I hadn't even hit my due date yet. Yeah. But in my head I was so far over already. So then 39 weeks came and went, 40 weeks came and went (laughs) and I started to be like, whoa, what happens here? Because Mm. I also didn't know, we'd never had the conversation about what happens with a home birth if you go over your due date. Mm. And I had people say to me, who clearly don't know what goes on, but they said to me, oh, you know, if you go over, you you have to go, you can't have a home birth anymore. Mm. And so I started to have this extreme fear almost about like, whoa, okay, Mm. so I've done all this prep work, my mental head spaces that I'm having a home birth and then potentially purely because I've gone past my due date I'm now no longer going to have that so when the 40 weeks came and went my midwife came because she was coming at that point every five days I think just to check in Mm -hmm. um and she we sort of had that conversation I I I, she didn't even bring it up so I was (laughs) like so what happens now like what happens (laughs) and she was like what do you mean And I was like what what happens now that I'm past my due date and she was like nothing and I was like nothing happens and she's like no she's like so long as you and your baby are healthy and well and confident and still doing this we just continue as normal and she did say to me once you get past like I think it's 41 and four days or something Mm -hmm. she would send me off to get a scan just to make sure we would be we were all okay but Mm -hmm. I never got to that point okay yeah but yeah but that's she said that that would be the only time we would worry and she said so long as you are still happy to go ahead we still go ahead Interestingly, though, Mm -hmm. from like 39 weeks, I had the local hospital who – so basically when you have a home birth, you register it with your local um, public hospital so that if anything does happen, that they know that this was your plan and that you're on your way in or whatever, but they have Mm -hmm. all your details and everything, Mm -hmm. which I think is – It's great to be honest. Yeah. Anyway, it got to thirty nine weeks and they were calling me nonstop, being like, When are you coming in for an induction? When are you coming in for an induction? Like, you know, you need to get an induction now. So I was like getting anxiety every Mm. time the phone would ring because this pressure was being placed on me. Yeah. It's a whole nother podcast and story really to talk about all that side of things but um <laughs> maybe we should do that then we should do that if people are interested probably not yeah. but we, we can um, but, yeah. <laughs> but it just
1: sounds really interesting well, really hard interesting. because you it, it sounds like you had essentially conflicting advice coming at you
0: I and, really did and, and you had to
1: stand by what you wanted and oh, what you believed in and that's hard that's it's very hard, so hard pati- yeah.
0: pati- particularly when you get to the point so by this point in my mindset i was struggling because mm. i i have gone weeks now every day you wake up and you're like i can't believe i haven't had this baby yet mm. every night i'd go to sleep being like tonight's the night mm. and then i'd wake up and be i actually felt like this feeling of disheartened heartness mm. oh my god what i'm trying to say like i was disheartened by <laughs> yeah. the fact that i was waking up and still mm. pregnant and it's really funny because you know you're going to have a baby like you yeah. know it's coming <laughs> but you just at one point I literally was like I'm not having a baby this baby's <laughs> not coming I'm gonna be pregnant for smile." and I know it sounds stupid but that's literally how I felt so wow, yeah that was the day my midwife came over and she said it was really interesting because she said to me when you hit like 35 weeks you started to say to me that you were loving being pregnant like you loved it I, I said to her I could be pregnant forever apparently <laughs> apparently I said that to her multiple <laughs> times and I was just in my element I felt so good I felt mm. beautiful and confident and I was just like it didn't eat like I had this huge belly and I didn't feel restricted at all like I really was embracing it and loving it. and she said to me I think that you were just so in that moment and loving it that your baby obviously also picked up on that (laughs) and was being like, cool, we're happy. We feel great. Like there's no reason to be leaving anytime soon. (laughs) And then she said to me, it was at 40 week when she came to check in on me where she was like, this is the first time I've actually heard you say that you, you know, you're ready to not be pregnant anymore. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's so interesting. And Mm. she gave me a book Mm. Um, I was going to ask you about this cuz I
1: wanted you to share what it was called cuz I remember you.
0: Yes, and I always forget what it's called, which it. is In My Own Time it's called by Sarah Wickham. Okay. And it was amazing. And I didn't even read it fully. I just skimmed through it mm-hmm. and it was per- it was just like the words of affirmation that you needed to know and it's all it's all based on uh actually evidence-based science and research and all this mm. she's she's incredible Sarah Wickham but um but it basically was just telling me that like that, for most people, inductions are just so not necessary and mm that, you know, you can healthily have babies at 42 weeks with no issues at all, and that is mm. so normal and so fine and to not worry about it. And that's essentially the basis of this book was it was all about why, you know, inductions are overused was the basis yep. of it. And it just put me at ease completely to be mm. like, this baby's going to come when it comes. And then literally the next day I got up, I went to Cairo, because every day I was either doing Cairo acupuncture at this point, I was doing <laughs> so, or, like myotherapy or just anything <laughs> just to make me feel good, but also like... Mm. It was like this thing, like my car would be like, oh, I'm going to press all the buttons today that are the baby ejecting buttons and my <laughs> acupuncturist were, were, you know, they'd switch from pregnancy maintenance mode to like let's get this baby out mode in terms of the <laughs> acupoints that they were using. So this made me feel like I was actively doing something mm. to prepare.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And anyway, I went to Cairo that after, that morning and he said to me, don't worry, I don't think you need to book another appointment. And I was like, yeah, like, here we go again. This is what they've all been saying to me for weeks now. And he goes, honestly, don't book it because he's like, I think you've almost got new headspace that you come in and you book all your appointments knowing that, like, you're still not having a baby. And he's like, don't book your appointment. You don't need it. (laughs) And so I was like, all right, I'm not going to book an appointment. Went home, did some stuff around the house, picked Flint up from daycare, and I was starting to feel. I felt a little bit tired. I felt really tired, mm. and but no, you know when you're pregnant, you feel tired by the mm. end of the day anyway. So it yeah. wasn't much different anyway. And I made some dinner. I made dal. We put Flint to bed, and I was about to sit down. I had a shower. I was about to sit down to eat my dinner on the couch. And I felt a little cramp, a little tiny baby cramp. And I was like, hmm, <laughs> what are you? But, you know, like you also get Braxton Hicks throughout your pregnancy. And mm-hmm. and like I was saying, at this point I'd actually just decided like I'd succumb to it. I was like, mm-hmm. it's fine. The baby will come when it wants to come. And it was sort of like the first day of being, flipping my, my mindset mm. from being like, when is this baby coming? Totally. To, Relax. It'll come when it wants to come. Yeah. Yep. We're, we're all good here. Mm-hmm. And sat down on the couch, had that little that little crampy and and then, you know, about fifteen minutes later I had another little cramp. And I said to Jesse, Hmm, I don't know. But like I sort of feel like I might have contractions, but I don't know. And I also have like a very good pain threshold in there like, I'll mm-hmm. sit with that sort of pain for quite a while before I would have normally said anything. But yeah. everyone had got in my head about, like, how fast this baby was going to come. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'll just let Jesse know and he can sort of check in on me over the next hour or so sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So we just sat there and watched TV. Mm -hmm. and then i was like i gotta go to the toilet and for me there's probably tmi for everyone but when like i am ready to give birth and i've only done this twice but most (laughs) times uh my bowels i get really loose bowels Mm -hmm. and i had had that the morning of and then that night as well Mm -hmm. um and so it's like my body's just like getting rid of everything ready in preparation and i had that again Um, And I sort of didn't want to finish the rest of my dinner, but I was like, you know what, I'm just going to finish it because I feel like I might need the energy later. Yeah. Turns out that was the worst thing I could have done. Oh, no, really? (laughs) I'll get to that. Um, But, yeah, so anyway, Uh. and then – uh the, the sort of the cramps sort of kept coming and I wasn't timing them or anything, but Jesse was like, These are coming quite frequently. Should we be timing them? And I was like, Yeah, maybe time the next two. And they were literally coming like every ten, fifteen minutes. And I was mm. like, Oh wow, okay, this was much quicker than I thought they would be. Yeah. So I just text my midwife and by this point it was like 9.30 at night mm. and I just said, just heads up, like probably nothing to worry about, probably nothing to even like concern yourself with because this could potentially <laughs> go on for hours. But um, I'm getting really, really, really minor cramps. And mm. she was like, okay. She's like, do you want me to come? And I was like, nah, we're good. Like I'm probably just going to go to bed. She was like, no worries. And she goes – she had said to me though like, please, if you – think you're you're like going into labor tell me like not too late because it's easier for me to be awake and you know just stay on guard than to go to bed Mm. and then potentially at 2am get a call like you know that you're screaming and in labor kind of thing so (laughs) so i would sort of just give her the heads up yeah um and then jesse called her and was like hey like they've definitely ramped up Mm. she seems fine but like what do you what should we do and i was talking to her on the phone as well and Mm. She was like, I'm getting in my car and I'm coming because she lived about 45 minutes away and my other midwife lived – even further so she was about an hour away Mm -hmm. so they both decided around 10 ish that they were going to like start making their way over Mm -hmm. thinking like this baby is going to be coming any second now (laughs) um and then honestly it was almost like i told them and then the contractions like ramped up like really those surges were just coming consistently and much stronger and i was like oh yeah here we go like i knew at that point i was like we're on it's game on so we filled the bath up the pool and we put the tens machine on i was just like pacing around and I guess that was like to your question, like that was when I first knew I was sort of in labor. <laughs> and then obviously <laughs> I continue, I can continue with the first story uh, yeah, if like, you want. Oh, but. <laughs> I, like, I feel like we're just all poised to hear this birth story, right? <laughs> I just realized I was rambling and I'm like, I've got my pastoral question. <laughs> (laughs) But it's just, I'm so invested. Yes. Well, I'll do a short version because if anyone does really want to hear it, they can go to (laughs) the podcast I did for Australian Birth Stories. But basically, they arrived and I was like, I just felt like I was really about to have a baby. It was really intense. Um, I jumped Mm. in the pool. The pool was the most beautiful, sweet relief I've ever had. Mm. Did you jump in the water for any of your? Yeah, I did. Yes. We did.
1: We didn't have like a big pool like that. It was, but it was one of those big triangle spas,
0: you okay, know. Gorgeous. So it yeah, was I know great. Exactly what you mean. Yeah, it was See, so with great. With Flynn, I I had to stand the whole time, and right. the, I jumped in the bath a few times at home, and I just really didn't like sitting. Yeah. Um, whereas with Willa, I just the relief I got the moment I, we had one of those big blowout pools just mm. set up in one of our rooms here, but yeah, I just felt instant relief and I had always wanted a water birth. So I was mm. like, Oh, this is going to be beautiful. I'm going to have the most <laughs> beautiful water. <bath."> <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. I did not, but, 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 um, but anyway, all of a sudden I started to get this really excruciatingly sharp pain and it was horrendous. And had I had not had a baby before, had I had not given birth before, I would have really just been like, birth is effed up like what the hell mm. is this pain because it was to the point where i thought i was going to pass out mm-hmm. um and it went on for hours and mm. i was i threw up that's why i regretted uh, yes. the dial <laughs> um <laughs> And the pain was – I was just saying to just I'm like, I'm in so much pain. I'm in so much pain. And the thing is when I gave birth to Flynn, those surges, those contractions, mm. I didn't even view as pain. Mm. Like I sat with them. I knew it was my body progressing. I worked with them and I mm. knew that they were helping me. With mm. this, I was like, this is not the same. There's something – not right here something Mm. isn't going to plan and also by this point we had been going for hours and my body had been actively trying to push a baby out for hours but Mm. nothing was happening Mm. and I said to the midwives please check me they were like no you asked not to be checked I was like check me (laughs) Um, so they were like why don't you try and check yourself and so I tried to check myself I gave myself an internal which probably icked some people out but like honestly it was so fine and I sort of just tried she said you should feel the head should be there now like if your body's trying to push it it be there and Mm -hmm. I was like I don't feel anything my waters hadn't broken I hadn't lost my mucus plug like I was like something isn't progressing yeah she was like all right we'll check you so she laid me down they did a check and like sure enough she was like oh yeah you are right
1: Mm -hmm. um
0: the baby is stuck and basically essentially what happened was the baby's head was chin up and like stuck against my pelvis so every time Mm -hmm. I had a contraction rather than progressing down lower she mm-hmm. was getting compressed and stuck and just jammed up against my pelvis, which is yeah. why it was causing me so much pain yeah the they said that she the the baby at this point we didn't know she was a mm. girl but that, mm. she, that she was okay and she hadn't started to get stressed out or anything yet but but mm. I had like they could tell yeah. like with all my um vitals that I my body was in stress and and I was also tiring a lot like I was really getting tired because I've been like in active labor for a really really long time yeah uh, by this point it was about probably 4 a.m at night mm-hmm. uh, in the morning sorry and we thought I would have had this baby you know at probably 11 or 12 o'clock so yeah it was really something was not working so they mm got me marching around. They got me up and they tried to like, because I was saying at this point, send me to the hospital. I can't do it anymore. Like I'd given up. (laughs) And they were so amazing. They were so amazing. They just like got me going and they're like you've got this you're gonna do this and I just thought as well when they told me she was like I was like oh okay well that's an automatic transfer right like they, that's mm. it like game over yeah. and I was really sad about it they're like what are you talking about they're like no like we are going to sit with you and we're going to work through this and we're going to find a way and if we can't then we know that that's an option we can we you can go but like that at the moment that's not even in our mindset mm. and so they basically got me to do these crazy positions, they're Mm -hmm. called maternal optimising positions for anyone who wants to look into that, Mm -hmm. to try and move her. And Mm. they it was horrific. I've honestly never been in more pain in my life. I was Mm. screaming. Flynn was asleep in the next room and I (laughs) don't know how he didn't wake up because it sounded like someone was being murdered. I was in so much pain. like It was horrendous. Mm. And essentially they had me up on the couch with my arms sort of bracing myself on the floor, and my legs up oh, on the top of the couch, if that oh, makes sense. So, yes, it makes and perfect then they sense. were ascent- like a baby basically pushing her around in my stomach. It was oh, my God. crazy. <sighs> but then, something that they did. Mm. Did something instantly and Mm. also at that point I said to Jesse, what's the time? Because Flynn wakes up at 6.45 on the dot. He has this like clock thing and I just, I actually had always wanted him to be there at the birth, but I didn't want him to be traumatised by me (laughs) seeing, because I just thought I had the same sort of birth as him, which was beautiful and blissful and amazing and I just loved every second of it. Yeah. But then when this was happening, I was like, I can't let him come out and see me like this. I don't want (laughs) to like ruin his what he how i've sort of told him like how yeah. great birth is and i don't want him to be scared and mm. you know he's only just turned three and no, he wasn't even three he was two then and i was just like oh my gosh this is just gonna be too much for him anyway i pulled myself together i saw that it was 6 30 and i was like oh my gosh i have 15 minutes to to get my shit together and get this baby out kind of thing before he's gonna come <laughs> out and see all this and wildly it's like something shifted both in my body and in my mindset and Mm. I was like the baby's coming and I tried to run back to the pool Mm. to get back in the pool but didn't make it I was like literally if you see the photos of it I am like in front of the pool I'm about (laughs) 10 centimeters in front of the pool um and he Flynn woke up and he came out and at that exact moment I was pushing Willa out into the world and I was standing upright and I how like I pulled her out myself and onto my chest and he saw the whole thing and I'm just like to this day like I'm cry when I think about it yeah like it was so oh my god I'm about to cry yeah um It was just like everything I had wanted even though nothing went to plan like nothing mm. was how I wanted it to be it was still beautiful and mm. I'm really grateful like it was crazy it was a really long story and I didn't go into half the detail but yeah
1: <laughs> no it was, it was just purely beautiful and yeah th- that moment of him coming out right as it happens I remember you saying on that other oh, podcast like the sun had just come up and it oh. was just this really uh, <laughs> I'm actually, beautiful like, moment tearing up it yeah, really me was too.
0: and I um I think, like, because I really, like, stress myself out that, like, I having the home birth and, like, and of course, like, in my head, I was like, I'm going to have a home birth and it's all going to go wrong. And then, you know, everyone's going to be like, why did you have a home birth mm. and all this kind of stuff. and yeah. And in the end, it was just perfect. And my midwife said to me after, like, you know, we're so glad you did this because unfortunately like the reality is if this had have happened in the hospital like mm-hmm. they would have been like this is too hard we mm-hmm. don't have the time or the resources to sit with you for hours and try to change your positioning and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff and it probably would have just ended in an emergency c-section so yeah. i'm forever grateful to them for absolutely s- sticking by me and you know, really knowing that I could do it, it was just a matter of like we just had to work. It was almost like a jigsaw puzzle, and we just had to mm. work out what it was. And I really was screaming at them to like stop because I was in so much pain. Yeah. And yep. um, they were like, "No, you've got this." And they worked so well together, and mm. like with Jesse, and they were they sort of did the like one was that really supportive, nurturing, calm, and then the other one was that like you got this, girl, like you can yeah. do it. And then Jesse was like my rock and.
1: Mm, oh perfect.
0: It it, it wasn't perfect, but it was so perfect. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, I know exactly
1: what you mean. When they were doing the like the changing of the position, which oh my gosh, I just I can just imagine how painful that was. You conveyed that very well, (laughs) and I can just imagine it. After they did that, like how like how much time passed between them turning the baby and you getting her out?
0: Um, it's hard to know because in my head (laughs) it's a blur a really long time but um <laughs> i don't think it was that long i think it was mm. maybe 40 minutes
1: that's amazing yeah. like just yeah. to think that like that you know her positioning had held back something that was actually so ready to happen
0: that's exactly right and like mm. the moment they did whatever it was needing to be done mm. she was born 5 minutes later do you know what i mean right. like my body obviously likes quick births just yep. just from Flynn's experience and and then seeing this but so my body was ready like my body Mm -hmm. was like where is the baby where is the baby where is like every Mm. contraction surge whatever you want to call it was it was waiting for this baby to come but it just she wasn't there and Mm -hmm. yeah it was quite quite incredible actually but like yeah exactly right like it was sort of and it does and I've spoken to so many people about it since and um there was actually a girl in I mean a little mother's group here but Mm. she was saying to me she had the exact same birth Mm -hmm. exact same situation happened but she was just through the local public hospital Mm -hmm. and they just didn't it was you know they don't even possibly even have the knowledge of what to do in that situation it's just their tools are We know how to get this baby out, you know, safely. Essentially, it's via a C-section. So that's Mm. what we would do. Whereas my midwives had the knowledge that Mm. actually there are some other tools that we have under our belt that we can do and we can offer to you and we can try first. So I'm just – and they also have time because, Mm. you know, that's – they're not under – any they they literally are there for as long as you need them. They could be there for three days if that was the case, you know what I mean? Like they're yes. not trying to hurry you, they're not trying to push you. They're not in the system where, you know, they've they really those time is such a resource, a scarcity in the hospital system. So they can't afford to do that with everyone who comes in whereas totally. I was just so lucky whereas they could do that with me.
1: So interesting. And like it really oh it's like really uncomfortable to think that You know, the idea of giving birth in the hospital, like that sense of like pushing you through a bit, like,
0: you know, trying
1: to get it done. And, you know, I've given birth in hospital and honestly, I didn't feel that way. I didn't get that sense from anybody, but... Like, and I'm the same because I, I had
0: a birth with Flynn in hospital yeah. and I had the most beautiful experience as yeah. well and, like, yeah. I, I couldn't fault it, you know.
1: Yes, but I guess it's just knowing that there are those variables there. I also love how they got you to do the
0: self-check. I'm like, I didn't even know you could do that. like I know. That's it's really amazing. cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. And this is the stuff that's just so beautiful and mm. I think we lose a lot of it, which, yeah. which is why if you can – I mean, this, we've really gone off topic here, but, like, you know, if you, can, <laughs> if you are pregnant and you have the option to have, like, a midwifery care model, um, mm. this is all the stuff. This, this is their jam. You know, this is yep. all that they know and they've, this is their focus. This is what they love, they're passionate mm. about, and they can guide you through all of this. And as women, like, this is what we can do. This is what our bodies were made for. And, like, before we had all of, you know, the medical system, we just mm. used to birth. We used to birth and the people who were around us were our mothers and our Mm. sisters and our aunts and the Mm. women and they would just guide you through it and, like, essentially that's what happens in in, in my situation. I just had two Mm. amazing women who really understand birth and the processes that happen and, yeah, like, they gave me so many amazing tips and tricks along the way and, like, it was just incredible.
1: It sounds beautiful and I'm very, very happy for you. And beautiful Willa. Oh, my gosh. Willa Willa Daisy, right?
0: Willa Daisy. Yeah. So cute. (laughs) I know. I'm very lucky. I feel incredibly grateful and blessed, actually. I really Mm. do.
1: Yes, your family just looks beautiful. And I just love how Flynn and Willa, they're little I don't know, they just got a
0: really nice little relationship blossoming, which is great. They do, and I feel like they're yin and yang as well, which is hilarious, <laughs> both, like, physically but also personality-wise. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I've got a bit of that going on over here as well. Mm. Um, but I also love seeing Elma, like, she just looks more and more like Koji and she just has these expressions like Koji just shine oh, out of her and it's like, oh, I love that. it. <laughs> That's so cute. Yeah. As a big thank you for listening to our little podcast and for being a part of our very special PCOS Girls community, we've created a discount code that you guys can use for any of our products. Head to PCOSToWellness.com for Bridget's products or PCOSPathways.com for my products and enter in the code PCOSGirls15 for 15% off. That's PCOSGIRLS15. Love you guys.
0: I want to hear about you. I've just given, like, my entire birth story, which is not the plan, by the way, guys. I'm very sorry about that. Um, but, yeah, like, I'm, thyroid journey. Update us on that because uh, I feel like we left you on that and then, like, haven't updated everyone since. <laughs> Do you know
1: what, though? Like, I I don't want it to be anticlimactic, but I, it's been a really slow journey for me and also uh having two kids like when I got diagnosed with PCOS I was mm. like all right all in i read everything I got so super informed so mm. fast as fast as I possibly could mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um after the miscarriage even more so like just went super deep on it all and I had the time and the energy to do that um or maybe not the energy but the desperation <laughs> too, or something <laughs> yeah yeah I know there's like a drive uh, yeah there's a real drive and this time like the drive is there But uh, my time isn't like Mm. having two kids and trying to focus on my health um, and also be working is, you know, it's a lot. So, for example, like I need to book in for some blood tests and I've had it on my to do list for two weeks. It's just a phone call, but it just keeps not happening. Like every day, like I'm distracted or I forget or I don't get to it. Um, So, my thyroid journey, like it's definitely going and it's definitely a big part of my life, but. I'm probably not where I imagined that I would be when I first got diagnosed. Like when I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's, I was like, all right, like let's go down the Hashimoto's path and like really learn about this. And I have Mm. learned a lot, but – I have so much more to learn and I'm very much just sort of in the hands of my practitioner at the moment. I definitely don't feel as knowledgeable as I do about PCOS. (laughs) Yeah, Um, But then, you know, I've had PCOS for 10 years. Like I was diagnosed 10 years ago with PCOS. So there's a lot more time on my side of what I know there. But what I know is that first and foremost, like I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's, which is the autoimmune side of like an underactive thyroid. But I also was shown to have reverse T3, which mm. is basically this hormone that lots of people don't know about it. Lots of people, lots of doctors don't test for it. It should be an essential test if you've got anything thyroid happening. Basically, like normal T3 is this hormone that goes into your cells and essentially like determines your metabolism. Like it help- helps you turn, you know, food and oxygen into energy. But reverse T3 is this almost, it's like, it's seemingly useless, and scientists don't totally understand it yet. But basically, Reverse T3 is produced by your body in small amounts and it takes the place of T3 in the cell. So if a cell picks up reverse T3, then its little space for T3 is taken up and it can't take in T3. The theory about why this happens is to essentially keep your body in check and not develop an overactive thyroid. So instead of having so much T3 going into the cells that you start to go into overdrive and and then you might show overactive signs like anxiety, jittery, um, heart issues, things like that, uh, like losing weight, not in a healthy, good way. <laughs> but the problem with reverse T3 is when you start to show like signs of having a lot of reverse T3 mm-hmm. and that's where you can get underactive thyroid symptoms because your body's producing too much reverse T3. And this is why it's so essential to test for it because it's essentially like it's a driver, it's a cause of underactive thyroid symptoms. So, my reverse T3 levels were high. And so, the driving cause of too much reverse T3 is usually stress. So, and then back to the Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune disease. You know, a lot of people believe autoimmune disease all starts in the gut. So, for me, the the thing I had to focus on first and foremost for healing my thyroid issues was gut health and my mm-hmm. mental health and stress. And as we all know, last year, postpartum with Elma, those first six months, I, I too ran on cortisol, um, and adrenaline. Um, but I also like my mental health was just horrible. Like it mm. was just such a hard time. And the more I reflect on it, the more I'm like, Oh my God, like I was yeah, in such wow. a low place. Aww. Um, but I have totally come out of it. And so this is what which is probably what I said last year when we were talking, but it's just all it's all gone even better. So like continuing to work on my mental health and continuing to work on my gut health has been really the main steps that I've taken and the results have been a hundred percent there like my mental health feels amazing I feel very like happy and content in life feeling really really positive and just I just feel great um and then I'm so happy yeah thanks and then with gut health also everything seems really really good and my energy levels are really nice like everything feels like in those places feels really healed and so about I two or three months ago, um, my functional medicine practitioner, she started me taking some medicine that was more about like thyroid function. Like we'd moved beyond the like, like we'd been really focused on the adrenals, which is like, you know, my stress, st- you know, the stress gland mm-hmm. kind of thing. And we'd been really focused on the gut health and my mental health and like like medicinally that's where we were focused. And she was like, okay, now it's time to like move into just like really nourishing and nurturing the the thyroid. And so I started that about two to three months ago and I haven't seen any changes where I thought that I would. So that's where I'm at. So the main, there's three symptoms that I would expect to see a shift. One is my hair fall. And to be honest, it has slowed down. I will say that, but it kind of is like going up and down. And then the other one is my weight. So like I'm not gaining weight, but I'm just that full inability to lose weight like it's mm. just not going anywhere and then the third one is like joint pain like i'm really experiencing like <laughs> like really really extreme joint pain and really yeah my hips my lower back has always been a problem like that's kind of i think from falling off horses as a kid and yeah. i i also have like hyperflexibility so like some of my mm. joints like they just move way more than they yeah. should yeah hypermobility yeah hypermobility but my hips oh my god and my hip pain started actually after i had my miscarriage and it actually started in the first trimester of that pregnancy
0: and then well, that after makes sense the- though, as well, because you have all the relaxant and everything else pumping that's through right, your body. That's yeah. right. That's right. But
1: it's kind of like that never changed. It for never me. went away, and it, mm. and it really caused issues. And then the other place that it's turning up is in my feet. And it's just horrendous. Wow. Like you know, like oh, if I, I know if I sit for any amount of time or lay down for any amount of time. Like any amount, like a um, couple of minutes, I get up and I can like belly walk. It's like really stiff. So what kind of pain is it? Like a stiff pain? Uh, it's a really – it's a – Stiffness that causes a lot of pain. It's like dull, a dull, no, oh, sharp it's, it's pain. sharp because it's so stiff that if you try to move beyond it, like you can't move beyond it. If you try, oh it's gosh. just like very painful. So, so it's so like it's
0: been frozen, and then you're trying to like yeah, move it, and that's like that's yeah. sharp. Yeah, I know exactly what you're mm-hmm. trying to explain, and yeah, it's a wow. really
1: big symptom of Hashimoto's or, or yeah. of a lot of autoimmune conditions. I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yep. so it's something that if I'm healing, this should be changing. In, and gotcha. in, and I'm not seeing it heal at all it's just mm. getting worse and worse and it upsets me sometimes because like I had a few days this week where I was just really down about it and I really noticed that shift because I've been feeling so good and I was just like ah, oh, like you know I'm 35 you know and I feel like far out like if I don't get this figured out like what's it gonna be like when i'm 60 you know like i already feel 60 in that sense yeah and so that like worries me and then also the fact that i'm doing so much like i've on like a thyroid protocol Mm. i i'm eating i'm not eating inflammatory foods like um you guys know i'm not into food restrictions or anything it's about finding out what works for you well what is definitely triggering me to like have inflammation at the moment is gluten, dairy, and soy. Mm. And I've tried introducing each of them and what happens is i instantly retain water like i've tested it multiple times and i i put on about three kilos of water weight in wow. about like a couple of days and then as soon as i take it back out of the diet i lose those three kilos of water weight it's not like it's making me put on fat or anything it's just no, water, of course. it's just water yeah, yeah, weight yeah. which is caused by inflammation yeah so i know that it's having an inflammatory reaction and i'm happy to be off it like an Oh, my God, I've been off dairy for since almost since Alma was born and soy, yeah. so it's not hard for me. So it's not me. a big change. It's not yeah. a big change. I've been off gluten for like six or seven months. It's fine. Mm-hmm. I'm like not struggling with it at all, but this is what my point is. Like I've cut out this infl- these inflammatory things in my mm. life. Mm. I'm like sort of feel like I'm doing everything right but these three symptoms just, they're not really changing. So where I'm at now is, and this is all quite recent, I'm doing Bowen therapy, which... Um, mm, you told it, me about this. Yeah, yeah, so it's just like a, it's a type of sort of physical therapy, but it really marries the idea of like your nervous system and your like your stress and the effect that it has on your physical body. And it also works on the, the belief that like, you know, trauma... Can sort of be stored in your body. And it works by these, like bone therapy. It's weird. They do these very small, light touches to certain spots on your body and they're working with the fascia which is like Mm -hmm. this this sort of connective tissue membrane around around everything Yeah. Yeah, yeah around everything all over your body um and I started doing it earlier in the year and I only got to have two sessions but the the shift was amazing like I definitely had less pain throughout my whole body I have this wrist pain as well that completely went away so it was really effective. But then I got COVID and then we had floods and mm. and anyway it took me months to get back in and I just had my first session back the other day and yeah, already like the next day better. I felt better <gasps> and the day after as well. That's so, so cool. I definitely feel like it's what I need to do. She she was like she's like, it sounds like to me you are doing everything right. You you're in this really good spot where you've done things, but this this energy and I know this is starting to sound a little bit, you know, alternative to people Mm -hmm, and that's fair mm enough um um, but I'm just sort of going with whatever feels good. Um, yep. and, but she's like, I think that you've just got these this trauma and this stress. It's just like jammed up in your body. It's stuck and we just need to release it. She's very confident. She's like, I'm going to heal you. Don't worry. It's going to be fast. Mm. <laughs> she's mm. very confident. That's um, cool. But, yeah, so I'm just trusting in that. And, um, yeah, she's like, I think we just need to release this and I think that you're going to start to see like an amazing shift. You've just got these blockages. It's also... Bone therapy is very much working on the belief system of the meridians as well. So amazing. Yeah. So I'm doing that. And I'm also going to go back to see my functional medicine practitioner, just be like, look, like I haven't seen a shift with the medicine that I'm taking. Like maybe we need to change that. Yeah. Because it's been, yeah, it's definitely been, I've been on this new medicine for like. It's definitely been at least three months. Okay. Um. So I feel like, you know, that's a pretty, I like to, to see some zero change. change yeah, some yeah, zero yeah change. I agree. Yeah, I just definitely need to sort of, and I think that's it. Like I've just sort of tuned in in the last couple of weeks of like, oh, okay, that's not working. <laughs> and yeah. I think I need to just kind of like, you know, have a moment Races. of like, advoca- not advocating, I don't need to advocate, but just like you know, prioritize that and do Absolutely. something about it. Um And the other thing is, is like, I am still breastfeeding and, you know, I'm busy and I do feel like, I do feel like I might just be depleted, you know, mm. like, so I just, that's why I said I need to book in a blood test because I just feel like I just need to check all those, you know, those general things like zinc and calcium, you know, I've been off Absolutely. dairy for a long time and I, I do definitely eat other sources of calcium but I haven't tried to supplement calcium or anything and I don't know, like I just feel like I could be really depleted. Even my iodine levels, I haven't been taking iodine. You know me, I've got a real history of struggling mm. to retain it. I reckon it's probably really low and We're that's that, so yeah. important for the thyroid. So I just I feel like I've kind of I've been doing a lot but I also – I, you know, I'm not taking any kind of multivitamin or anything like that. I just feel like yeah. there's there's a few things that I haven't checked out. So I'm going to do that. So that's kind of my update is like uh, the areas that I've really worked on, my mental health and my gut health have yeah. been very successful. I feel like there's been such a shift and I'm so happy about that, but then- yeah, there's definitely there's there's more to figure out here. Something uh, else going on. Yeah. yeah. So what's But that this you space. know as well
0: like I think it's really valuable you're talking about this because so many women with PCOS also have underlying thyroid issues going mm-hmm. on and often don't know that that's also going on because they're so focused on the PCOS aspect of it. Yeah. Um and like Hashimoto's is such a big one as well that you know is also really commonly linked to people with PCOS. So it's mm-hmm. again like If you're listening to this and any of this is resonating with you, it's really (laughs) worth going and getting that checked. And like you said, the um, T3, like that that's Mm. not getting checked a lot.
1: The reverse
0: T3, yeah. The reverse T3, right. So like I haven't come across this, so I think Mm. that that's a really valuable point you've made there is like if that's not coming up on your panel, like if they're not testing for that, which Just they're definitely not. You actually yeah. have to pay for it. Like, okay. it's not, yeah, right. Good it's to know. that
1: not standard. And it makes no sense for it to not be standard because it's so, it, weird, it? it's so, it's such an important part of the puzzle. And I think we'll do an episode later that's about testing for thyroid stuff because I found it to be like, you know, how we have have a lot of resistance with PCOS like I found that to be so true with the thyroid stuff as well right Um, isn't that so interesting yeah there's definitely some key things that you need testing that they're just they don't test for um even like my GP like my my TSH came back outside mm. of the range, mm. like indicating something, and he still didn't want to test me for other things. And See, I had that's to. That's wild. <laughs> I know. Like, and I had why? to go to my functional medicine chick and get her to get me the tests, which I have to pay for when it goes through her. It cost me hundreds of dollars, yeah. uh, worth it but yeah, that's um still frustrating. like what <laughs> like that's yeah, just know. insane and then when I tested all those things it came back and yeah I was like oh now I have a Hashimoto's diagnosis and I've also got reverse T3 issues like crazy it's isn't just it? so
0: easy to have found that out but like it was made so hard it's made so hard but that's exactly like my entire journey with PCOS has yeah been like oh you can't have tests you can't have tests you can't have tests you can't have tests until I begged and create pl- you know pleaded and cried yeah and they finally tested me and oh lo and behold guess what I have <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, it's just anyway. wild
1: but yeah so that's that but you know otherwise like yeah my life's been really great this year has been so different because Koji started kindy yeah. which you know I've I've been nervous and worried about him starting kindy for like a good year year and yeah. a half just yeah. because he had such a hard time at preschool Aww. with his nerves but yeah. he is just like thriving at big school and so I'm so happy for him and it's a real it's a very big sort of weight off my own shoulders or like it's just something I don't have to worry about that I was worrying about so so much but he's just going so well and he's he's so happy there and he's made friends and he's eating at school like anyone who's been listening for a while you know like he wouldn't eat at preschool and it was a real problem but you know, um, he's figured that out. Like he's overcome that all on his own and I'm so proud of him. And, you know, there's definitely still some challenges there, but he's like, he's just doing so well. And Aww, I'm
0: so happy. yeah. And
1: Elma's doing well. Like she's one, she's nearly 18 months and she's just, I forgot how fantastic one is. It's oh. so fun <laughs> and so funny. They're just, Oh, she's just, like, lights up our world. Like, she's just amazing and she's just, like, my (laughs) little bestie. I don't know. Like, she, like, I can't explain it but, like, this sounds so, like, such a little tiny thing but, like, the two of us will just look, like, something funny might happen or not even but the two of us will just look at each other and both just, like, crack up. Like, at the same (laughs) time, like, we're sharing this joke she's i don't know she's very like you're very connected we're very connected but she's just also really switched on like yeah, she's right. really like her oh, comprehension bless. of things is amazing and it's just like really wow like it just she blows me away every day so yeah oh, just gosh, kind bless. of loving that so <laughs> anyway i've just seen the time
0: i know let's get to the listener question. yeah let's do
1: it okay all right we've got two here we'll try and get through two of them but Mm -hmm. all right first question is what is the best way to understand ovulation days when you have an irregular cycle length um i thought this was a good one just like Mm. to cover some of the basics that we like to talk about so much so i don't know do you want to absolutely
0: yeah 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 and i think obviously so relevant for a lot of people who have pcos because most of us have probably had irregular cycles at some point i know i went like solid years without having uh-huh. this cycle <laughs> so i can relate to this so i guess like uh like what i would start with is looking for that cervical mucus like that would be mm-hmm. my first starting point what you're looking for is that really slippery watery egg white uh yeah like the egg white um mucus and if you're producing that it's highly likely that that's this you know ovulation is occurring that would be a really really good starting place if you haven't seen that for weeks or months or years or whatever, then there's a really good chance you're not ovulating and we need to look deeper into that. Mm -hmm. So that would be like my starting point. Mm -hmm. The other thing I would be looking for is your basal body temperature. Yeah. Which you would need to be tracking and um, checking every morning essentially. Mm -hmm. And what you're looking for is that rise in your temperature which um, will occur just as you're about to ovulate.
1: Yeah. And I think like I feel like people feel like checking your basal body temperature um is such a, you know, a big thing or like mm. a real commitment or a real like oh man, like I'm really diving deep on this. And and it that's kind of is like that is quite yeah, true. But true. I just think like um you know, you see whoever asked this or if you're in this position, you really are in like a bit of an investigatory investigative I don't know what the word is. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, Investigative. Investigative yeah. stage, you know, like that's where yeah. you're at. Like
1: you're really trying to understand something so you don't have to check it forever. But yeah. it's really good so to just true. check it for a couple of cycles at least to just get a real gauge on what's going on there. Yeah. Yeah. And I will also mention because this is what happens to me um, when I have an irregular cycle, you might find that you're seeing that that slippery egg white mucus but then you're not getting a period you know Mm -hmm. roughly 14 days later and that can be really confusing or you might be in your cycle and you're seeing that mucus multiple times so i would say that um if you're getting it multiple times in your cycle, you're not ovulating every single time. I would say you're ovulating the final time that that happens yeah, before getting your period. Yeah, it's like your body's period. trying. Yeah, it's, it's like it's really trying there. but yeah. not quite getting there and that happens to me too. But if you combine that with checking your basal body temperature, that's when you will. It's
0: very accurate.
1: That's right. You'll be able to see, oh, this is when it actually happened. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. And you can get all those tracking things now as well like there's mm-hmm. temp drop there's yeah. i don't know what are some of the other ones that are out there that mm, do it i don't even remember Mara do it like there's like a bunch of them that mm-hmm. can test um what i would steer away from is those ovulation predicted tests because yeah. they are tracking your lh and as we know that can be really misleading if people have pcos mm-hmm. so yeah i would personally steer away from those and if you yeah. go to invest invest in like a really good like that um health tech one, the like, you know, like the temp drop or whatever. But a, te- a, a normal thermometer will do the job just fine as well. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it just needs to go to two decimal places. Yes, exactly, yes. And then you just need to track it at the same time every morning if you can. And like Mel said, you don't have to do it forever. It's like you brush your teeth in the morning, you can also do that before you get up out of bed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just have a little notepad next to you or just do your notes on your phone or whatever it yeah. is.
1: All right, um, second question. Um, first thing to do when you haven't had a period in over a year. Um, Which I just, whenever I get questions like this from people, I'm just like, oh, I I ache for them because I just, I understand like how hard that must be and how lost you might feel. um, Not knowing like how to fix that. I, I've. I've never had a period, like I've never had a cycle that lasts more than a year, but I have had a couple of instances in my life where I've really wanted to bring my period back. Um, One was after I had a miscarriage and I just really wanted to get my period back so I could start my cycles again. Mm. Um, And then the other time was postpartum after Koji. Um, Mm. Both times I turned to Chinese medicine, but Mm -hmm. in different ways. So after Koji, I had acupuncture. Yeah. um, And I got it's funny like we always talk about like it's not about getting your period back it's about ovulating and then yes, that causes a period. Exactly. But I do have to say that when I've used acupuncture, it's I've got my period like within a week. And I don't know. I know that sounds weird, but it's like it hasn't caused me to ovulate. It's caused me to get my period. Yeah, and I can't explain that to that anyone. Is so weird, I don't is know. That? I'm just like that's just the reality of what happened to me, and I don't know why. Yeah. Um, and then the other time, like after I had a miscarriage, for me, I ended up finding this herb that I would not use without a Chinese medicine practitioner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's called dongui, which is mm. D-O-N-G-Q-U-A-I, and that again, it did the same thing. It didn't necessarily caused me to ovulate because I literally started bleeding like the day after I started drinking it. So I, I think it's really powerful medicine for bringing on a period. I don't know yep. exactly why it's done it in that way for me, but yep. I would definitely, like, my biggest tip would be to go to see a Chinese medicine practitioner.
0: Mm, hmm. That's a good one. I was <laughs> just going to say see a practitioner in general, well, um, Yes, <laughs> whatever resonates with you. I've yep. also done TCM, it's amazing. I've done nootropathy, it's amazing. Yep. Herbs have been obviously been a huge part of my journey, hence why I've ended up creating my own herbal teas. But yep. for me, it's things like <laughs> um, spearmint, nettle leaf, ladies' mantle, cinnamon, like the, all of those ones have been really beneficial for me because they've helped with lowering androgens and things like that, which has obviously inevitably brought my cycle back once mm-hmm. I've been able to rebalance my hormones. But I think a great starting point is to find a practitioner that you trust and is knowledgeable um, and go from there. Yeah, 100%.
1: And I think that's the end game for all of us is to find out what is causing your long cycles and balance that. So, exactly. And the best way to do that is with a practitioner. (laughs) (laughs) hundred percent. Yeah. But anyway, thanks for listening, guys. We hope this has been helpful. Um, I will say, like, you know, we're just navigating life this year. It has taken us six yeah. months to get to this point, but we are still very busy people. Bridget's got a little it's baby. Me. I'm a shit you know. show over here. Like, <laughs> I
0: was like, get your shit together. I'm like, I'm trying. I have
1: not said get your shit together. <laughs> no, she has, rec- absolutely
0: <laughs> not. She's been incredibly accommodating and I just, it's it is hard. I'm not going to sugarcoat it, like, I, I freaking love having two kids, but it is hard. Yeah. Especially because Willa doesn't take a bottle. So she's attached to me by the hip. And then, you know, I've got two businesses and Jesse's working. And it's just like, it's a lot, but we managed to get today done and we are going to endeavor to keep getting episodes out to you guys. We might just not be as regular as we hoped.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but um, I promise we'll do our best.
0: But- and like, you know, as you guys know, like, We still do this for the love. Mm -hmm. Um, We hope to one day be able to monetize this, but Mm -hmm. at the moment this is just because we want to keep bringing relevant information to you guys. So hopefully you keep tuning in and support us. And if you are listening and you're on your phone, please take a screenshot and post it onto your social so we can see where you're listening from because I am loving seeing this on other podcasts. I don't know if you've seen this, Mel. <laughs> I have. But I freaking love it when people <laughs> post they're like walking the dog or wherever. So that would mean a lot to us. It also helps um, spread the word a little bit and help get our name out too.
1: Yeah, honestly, whenever you guys do like – send us nice messages or um
0: yeah, do reviews
1: or share that you're listening to us like I really genuinely makes our day like we're not over exaggerating because no. we love doing this and I like day- text
0: each other straight away we're like did we you too. see the review <laughs> <laughs> anyway I'm um, gonna go so I'm you. on one percent guys I'm gonna I'm gonna be like oh my going. god have to leave my computer is forcing me to leave oh so. my god <laughs> 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 all right thanks for tuning in love you guys bye bye